May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. The hymn we just sang is a hard-driving, somber uh, song to sort of keep you going in your labors. And it's an appropriate choice for today and these scriptures, these scriptures that are weighty. I mean, scripture isn't light ever, but uh, sometimes it's a little more weighty to kind of get through and get into the, the, the message that has been chosen for us to read on a particular Sunday. And so this Sunday we have a message from 1 Samuel. I believe, and I'll go through this sort of one by one, that part of what we are being asked to consider and to pray on and to resist when we read the lesson from Samuel, from 1 Samuel, is to guard against the human temptation to give over the agency that God has freely given us, to hand over our power and let others take away our freedom, the freedom that God has given us so that we may be comfortable, or we may be like others, or we may not labor on, but give over um, our responsibilities to an absolute monarch like the people that Samuel was judge over uh, wanted to in the scripture we read. So, Guard against that temptation to hand over your God-given agency, to hand over your power and become powerless. In our gospel today, which is a chaotic gospel, a disrupting gospel, Jesus is surrounded by lots of people. The Herodians are after him. What had he been doing? Just three chapters into Mark, he had been preaching the kingdom of God. He had been healing people on the Sabbath. He had been calling disciples and preaching the good news, disrupting the status quo, not just to disrupt but with a word of inclusion and healing and reconciliation and truth. And so he uses that incredibly difficult example where he talks about you having to bind up the strong man in order to plunder the house. And he's, he's talking about himself and his people. To bind up the strong men that we put in the place of God 
like the Israelites wanted to call a king instead of a judge in the time of Samuel, giving over agency to people who do not necessarily deserve our trust and whom we put before God in our lives. Jesus' good work, his healing, his preaching the good news, his talking about the kingdom of heaven, his giving hope to the poor and the outcast, the status quo calls, of all things, demonic. And they start with that fake news, that spreading rumors that Jesus, the healer, is in fact working in the name of Satan. And that's where he brings that saying about a house divided against itself. Cannot stand. And the crowd is getting bigger because they're interested in the good things that he has to offer, and the opposition is getting bigger in this gospel, and it's getting so big that the rumors reach his family, and they are worried. They don't know what's going on with him. They don't know what's going to happen to him. They want to protect him. But we'll get to that in a minute. There's a piece of this scripture that has been misunderstood and misused in very harmful ways. It's the part where it talks about blaspheming the Holy Spirit as an unforgivable sin. Now, it's been misunderstood and misused by the church in many denominations. To say that self-harm can never be forgiven by God. Many of us have lost loved ones and friends to suicide. And throughout the centuries of the church, often they have been condemned. If you understand the body as a temple of the Holy Spirit, you can see how that may have been twisted, taking these words literally out of context, out of culture. But when Jesus is talking about blaspheming the Holy Spirit in this scripture, he is talking about two things at least. He's talking about attributing to what he calls Satan, the devil, evil spirit, whatever you want to call it, attributing the work of God to those maligning entities in our world. The people were doing that by saying that his healing, that his preaching the good news, that his call for loyalty to God alone was a maligning spirit. And that was a, a way of confusing people 
of getting them away from really understanding the inclusive, lovely, justice-seeking, merciful community that, God, that Jesus was calling his community into. So blaspheming the Holy Spirit is when something good happens that is the work of the Holy Spirit, you say it's something bad. I can give you an example of this, and it's Pride Month, so I think it's especially appropriate. My best friend was the first uh, gay priest to be openly, or uh, openly gay priest to be ordained in the Diocese of Louisiana. And after he was ordained, there was a group of people in that church that wanted to, um, that wanted to, it just makes me so sad to say this, wanted to have um, uh, a cleansing of the altar, casting out of the demons because he had been ordained. That is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Attributing the work of calling a beautiful servant of God to serve God's church and saying that that somehow defiles the altar. There's lots of extreme ways that people blaspheme the Holy Spirit. So another way is by saying that you are doing something in the name of God that most certainly is not of God. So, I can think of this week, an anniversary, when um, people riled up in righteousness to defend a woman's honor in Tulsa, burned down an entire neighborhood and killed 300 people. A lot of those folks thought they were righteous. They were doing God's work of defending a woman's honor. That's how twisted that's how twisted people can get. Jesus, in this chaotic, disrupting gospel, it's not a nice, sweet gospel. It's, it's a hard story. It's a hard story, and it helps us navigate the hard stories of our realities, of our lives. It reminds us to be humble, to be prayerful, to be thoughtful, and to be courageous about how we talk about the work of God and how we act on our beliefs. Also in the gospel, and I'm going to get a little bit more sentimental, and less heavy here, Jesus talks about 
what family is. So his family is worried about him at the end of this gospel, and they try to get through the crowds to get him out of there to protect him. Protect him from people who might turn on him, protect him from the authorities that are gunning for him. And, but Jesus is in the house, and his sister and brother and mother come up, and they're like, Jesus, you know, come out, let's go, let's go home. You need a nap, you need some rest, you need to think about what's happening. You're going to get in trouble. And Jesus said, and you can read it harshly, he, you can say, well, who is, he said, who are my brother and sister? Who are my brother and sister? And this is where I think we get a very foundational definition of the community of the church. He expands the idea of family outside of biological family or clan or religion. He blows it up as an expansive, inclusive, chosen, self-identified, all-inclusive, you belong, if you want, family. And we know how important chosen family is. I have a 16-year-old who turned 16 today, and he is my delight, and he's a handful. And, and if I didn't have people helping me out beyond my extended family who also helps me out, hi, Mom and Dad, you're wonderful, and Libby. <laughs> I have a lot of biological family here today. But if I didn't have extended family, I wouldn't have been able to serve God in this role or to serve God in the role of mother I just serve God in all the roles that I feel the Spirit has called me to serve. We need each other. And today I feel like this gospel is calling us now as we leave this pandemic to think about who our extended family is and how we're going to include each other safely and slowly and intentionally as we tenderly, tentatively come back into community. And so this is where I'm going to get a little sentimental. One of my extended family, one of my brothers is this wonderful organist choir master that we have behind here. And he has been such a joy to work with for four years, four and a half almost, since we met. And I mean, the combination of incredible talent and just being a really good person is very, is a blessing. And so I have a blessing that I'd like to end with today. Colin, may you be steadfast on your journey, powered by the message of love and the command to serve. 
May you wear the gospel on your sleeve and choir robe <laughs> so that all who know you may understand the value of justice, the need for kindness, the grace of forgiveness. As you make music and break bread with all who come to church and to the classroom, may you be blessed with a song of freedom and a prayer of hope so that all may come to know deep peace and hear the good news that Jesus is risen and present among us. Go in peace. We wish you well as you go to study. And don't forget your extended family here in Trinity. Amen. Amen.